when it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices. Things can get complicated fast. With Vanta, you can automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform can help you unify security program management with a built-in risk register and reporting and streamline security reviews with AI-powered security questionnaires. Over 7,000 fast-growing companies like Atlassian, Flow Health, and Quora use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. You can watch Vanta's on-demand video at vanta.com slash decoder to learn more. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash decoder. Support for this podcast comes from another podcast. The world's most valuable resource, it's actually data. Our data, based on our behaviors, is frequently being gathered, tracked, stored, and sold. So what does this mean for us? Join host Rafi Krikorian for season two of Technically Optimistic, where he'll take you on a deep dive into how our data is being used and what we can do about it. From social media feeds to foundational human rights, Krikorian leads us into territories both familiar and unexpected with openness and genuine curiosity. New episodes of Technically Optimistic drop every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Decoder. I'm Neil I. Patel, editor-in-chief of The Verge, and Decoder is my show about big ideas and other problems. Today, we're talking about a virtual reality workout app called Supernatural, which runs on the Oculus Quest. My guest is Chris Milk, founder and CEO of Within, the company that makes Supernatural. Chris has been making VR experiences for a long time. He's a true pioneer of the field. But Supernatural feels like it might be his biggest hit yet. And to me, it feels like fitness might be the killer app for VR. The app that makes people go out and buy a VR headset just to use it. I'll tell you why in a second. The basic concept of Supernatural is really simple. You put on the headset and then you use your VR controllers to swat at targets flying at you in time to music. It's kind of like dancing or sword fighting, dance fighting. If you've ever played Beat Saber, which is one of the most popular VR games ever, you'll know what I'm talking about. But Supernatural has as much in common with Peloton as it does with games. There are enthusiastic trainers guiding you through workouts with playlists of hit songs. There are VR meditation sessions in far-flung locations. And there are integrations with fitness trackers like the Apple Watch. And there's a $19 a month subscription fee. Most importantly, Supernatural is fun. I signed up for it during the pandemic, and my wife Becky and I now use our Quest 2 almost every day to work out in VR. It's great. It feels like we're leaving the house, the music is fun, and the workout is no joke. There isn't a single other VR app that could get Becky to wear a headset, but Supernatural is so compelling, we keep our Quest 2 on a charging dock in the bedroom. And almost anyone who's ever tried Supernatural on our headset has gone out and bought a Quest 2 almost right away. Like I said, it feels like fitness is a killer app for VR. So I wanted to know a lot more about Supernatural, who makes it, how the business works, what kinds of strange music licensing deals are needed to make it go. Chris and I talked about all of that, but as you'll see, he's a much bigger thinker than that. He told me that after a long career in film, he realized movies never change anyone's life, but a great album can. I have been thinking about that ever since we talked. Really, this conversation has a little bit of everything. Okay, Chris Milk, founder and CEO of Within. Here we go. Chris Milk, you're the co-founder and CEO of Within, which is a VR experiences company. Welcome to Decoder. Thanks for having me. Your company within has an app on the Oculus Quest platform called Supernatural. It's a workout app. The best way that I can describe it is dance fighting. It is very <laughs> fun. You have a, a long journey with VR to get to this app, which I, I think is one of the killer apps of the platform. And I, I want to talk to you about the whole space. But give me just a quick uh, rundown of, of within and your background in VR and sort of how you've gotten to this point. Yeah. You know, I was speaking to my mom recently and she reminded me as a kid, I was obsessed with skiing, magic and music videos and all of them <laughs> in a strange way have ended up in what I'm doing today, but especially so in Supernatural. 
In more recent times, I've spent most of my career exploring how we might use new technologies to create more meaningful human experiences, ideally more life-changing human experiences. Most of them have been centered around storytelling, entertainment, music, art, sort of thinking about what could we make that would be impossible to make in the legacy artistic mediums that we were born with. Um, my career, I started in directing music videos. I worked with Kanye, Arcade Fire, Johnny Cash, U2, many others. Moved into interactive music videos on the web as um, as the as the sort of the broadcast medium was transferring from television to the internet. Um, music videos basically staying the same, just being broadcast through YouTube instead of MTV. And I took that opportunity of this new tool set to explore what kind of things I could do with music videos if I used the tools that the the format now offered. That then led to immersive digital installations in museums. And that led to early in, I think it was 2012, I started experimenting and thinking about VR. 2013, I was working on my first movie and pitching at the same time a startup neither of which I had uh, much idea of what I was doing on either front. <laughs> and then I think 2014, I've got a green light feature film starring Nick Nolte, incredible actor. It's a dream project. It's still one of the best unproduced scripts out there. And I'd been developing it for probably three years. And Ben Horowitz said that Andreessen Horowitz would lead the seed round of the company. And I promptly stepped off the movie and, and founded the company. So in the, in the early years, we were trying to crack immersive entertainment, essentially figure out what comes after film and television empowered you know, by the technology of VR. The longer story there is that we were trying to solve a problem that not many people had at all. But through a number of different discoveries, we realized we could use immersive entertainment to solve a different problem. Um, one that my co-founder and I, Aaron, both had, which was that we needed to exercise, <laughs> but we vigorously disliked the actual the act of actually doing so. So, you know, we, we sort of thought deeply about what would it take to love rather than loathe exercise. And we, we thought we could, we could fill a gap in the marketplace that we, we saw. And we knew it was there because we were personally sitting right in the middle of it. So we quietly pivoted the company in 2018. We went back into stealth mode uh, and we built Supernatural over the course of two years. And we released it in April of, of last year. Is this the vision for where you thought you would be with VR? Right. Because your background is in making music videos and feature films and big creative projects. And Supernatural is it just seems more like a, a company now that will scale the way a regular company scales. That's a, that's a great question with a complex answer. I, I think we were looking at this new technology and thinking as we have most new technologies. I mean, this is sort of when I say we it's primarily Aaron Koblen, my co-founder and I, who have been working together for a lot longer than we've had this company. He used to be at the Google Creative Lab and I was an independent music video director. And those aforementioned interactive music videos, most of them were him and I collaborating, him at Google and me sort of as an independent artist and director. And really thinking about, you know, what what can these new technologies offer that we can't do with what is currently out there. And when, when you think about the mediums and the art forms that we love, like cinema and television, radio, these art forms, these artistic mediums came forth through technological innovation, right? It wasn't Orson Welles tinkering around in his shop trying to figure out how to make a movie that he invented cinema. The technology of cinema was invented by scientists and inventors and technicians. And it was artists that took those technological innovations and figured out how to make essentially meaningful human experiences with them. So those technologies, because we're on an exponential timeline of technological innovation, those kind of innovations previously came out 
you know, every few decades or so. And now our working premise is that they're coming out every year. We're exploring these new technologies and thinking about what could be the next great medium. What is what comes after cinema? What comes after television? And that's what a lot of our explorations have been around, you know, utilizing technologies on the Internet, like personalization and interactivity and then moving into more uh, immersive technologies like motion capture and virtual reality and augmented reality and just thinking hard. Where can these technologies take us? As a species, where can they take us from an artistic standpoint? And and ultimately what, you know, what we're trying to do is make something that is meaningful to another human being in the way that other things in these other artistic mediums have resonated with us. And, you know, we ultimately we're trying to make something that is that is life changing. Like that is what great art, what great media, what great things do in, in your life. And I think what we've come to learn though which is really interesting and we didn't un- originally understand is that that the changing someone's life is is hard to do <laughs> with a movie it's hard to do yeah. in a music video i think we we both sort of had a lofty ideals of what's possible but you're you're not going to change someone's life with the music video that you, you make you might change someone's life with an album i've had my life changed by certain albums and that's same that's really speaks to the the sort of magical power of of music but you know i've never had my life changed by a movie and i'm you know i was much of my life trying to be a filmmaker and i think what's cool is what we learned through the process of this is that if you can utilize all the that same you know intangible magic of art and storytelling and crafted human experience but calibrate it for a higher purpose that rather than just entertainment calibrate it to health calibrate it to making your life last longer making your life better from a day-to-day basis let you have more energy let you have clearer head, that you'd be stronger, that then you can actually use your power for, you know, use the power of art for a different purpose. And one that actually does hold that original potential of, you know, changing someone's life. So that's really interesting because, you know, you gave this very famous TED talk in 2015 saying VR was an empathy machine. So it's a machine, but through this machine, we become more compassionate we become more empathetic and we become more connected and ultimately we become more human. Thank you. And I think that was really influential for a lot of people. And I, even my first experiences using VR headsets, VR products was we're going to take you to a different place and you're going to you're going to feel this experience that somebody else feels. Supernatural is very much an experience about your, about yourself and I, I hear what you're saying. You, it makes sense that you're an artist, you're a creative, you're able to think about how people will feel emotionally and how you could guide those emotions, use them for supernatural. But it's still a very, you know, I, I mean, this sort of as literally as possible, a very self-centered experience. How do you connect those two ideas? Yeah, it's a little bit deceptive when you look at the most of the interactive immersive experiences, currently supernatural included, are experiences that you're on your own, that absolutely does not have to be the case. And it will not be the case for very much longer. When you think about what this technology is, it's 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 you tapping into a digital format that is connected to the internet, which is connected to anyone else that is also connected to the internet. There haven't been a lot of things that really strongly utilized the immersive, the co-presence immersive nature, uh, immersive powers of virtual reality. But the ones, you know, the, the, the small experiments and or the, the small number of experiments and projects that have are absolutely incredible. And the sense of presence that you can feel with another person and the human connectivity that you can experience with another person, especially another person that you have a relationship with that you're already close to and familiar with is unlike anything else that, that exists. And I mean, just to give you a couple of examples, like there's a, there's a mini golf game on the Oculus headset and I routinely play mini golf on the weekend with my 
best friend in San Francisco I haven't seen in ages. <laughs> and growing up in junior high and high school, we used to work at a mini golf range, coincidentally, together. And uh, the experience of wandering around this magical VR mini golf range as we just sort of casually talk about what's happening with us recently while playing mini golf is totally the experience that we would have if we were actually together. And you get that sense of human connectivity that you wouldn't get over a Zoom. You wouldn't get over a phone call. One thing I ask every CEO and executive that comes on the show, what is your decision-making framework? How do you, you're building something entirely new. How do you evaluate and prioritize what to do? How do you make decisions? Yeah, good question. I mean, of course, every decision is different and has a multitude of different factors that and variables that you're considering. But I think on the highest level, the way we think about it is we are humans and we are using technology to make things for other humans. And the, the technology is a, is, is just a tool and not to get so caught up in the, the technology, but really think about what is the end experience for that member and what is going to matter to them, what's going to resonate with them, what's going to make their life better. We have this metric that is sort of a unique metric. I'm guessing we call it JAW. It's J-A-W. It stands for joy, awe, and wonder. And <laughs> if, if there's a decision we're trying to make about a new feature or a new direction of the product or even a different layout of the menu, um, we think about does this, will this bring joy, awe, or wonder to the experience for that member experiencing it? One of the things about Supernatural that strikes me is that it's very similar to the first hit app on the Quest Beat Saber. What is your relationship to Beat Saber or the other apps like that? Because they were, you know, the first time I ever put on a VR headset, someone was like, you got to play Beat Saber. Obviously, Supernatural builds on the mechanic, you've extended it, but how do you see that relationship? Yeah, I think we're we're utilizing a mechanic that you know goes all the way back to Dance Dance Revolution and Guitar Hero. There's been many VR rhythm apps. I mean, the the first one that we were looking at was actually Audio Shield, which was a which was a great workout in and of itself. I mean, moving your body to music that you are striking things out of the air is the rhythm game paradigm of virtual reality, and it's hugely effective if you're going to try to get someone to have fun and have a cardio activity at the same time. What we did with Supernatural was, you know, we saw that works well, that is fun, but how do we build it from the ground up as a legitimate fitness system? So obviously we have coaches, our movements are designed to be healthy over, you know, repetitive, you know, repetitive use over long periods of time. We work with lots of different experts um, to make sure of that. Part of the sort of education and of discovery that that we had also as a as journey with the company was we were in the earlier years, we were building a lot of these interactive um, music experiences. We we were showing them at, at film festivals. Most people in the world uh, haven't seen them because we didn't release them publicly on the app stores. Um, but we were building a lot of different sort of music driven, cohabitated social experiences like we've been talking about, um, working with like Pharrell and OK Go and Justice and building these really cool immersive music driven experiences where you're moving your body and you're inhabiting crazy magical experiences. It's sort of basically a, the evolution of music videos um, going back to the early beginning. And what we saw with these experiences though, is that we were showing them at, you know, Sundance and Tribeca and South by and all those places was people were coming out of them sweating profusely, which you know was a, was the first problem that we had to solve um, because you're putting a bunch of people in them in a row. And they were laughing. They were totally filled with joy. They routinely thought that they were in there for a shorter amount of time um, than they actually were. They'd you know, do something for 15 minutes and think that they were in there for five minutes. You know, I don't know the last time you were on a treadmill and it seemed, you know, the half an hour seemed like 15 minutes. It certainly never happened to me. We thought, you know, in the process of thinking about how do we use this technology for this other use case, that definitely went into it. Also, um, the, a number of studies around your perception of discomfort 
is lowered in virtual reality, which is why they're using it in clinical settings and in um, childbirth and burn centers and chemotherapy centers. There's something about your perception being removed from your physical body in space that just makes stuff hurt less, but it also makes it easier to push yourself harder when you're doing a cardio workout. Like it does, it does hurt less. And yes, it's part of the fact that you're basically playing a sport that is fun. You know, there is a major difference between being in a gym and and a coach or instructor saying like, okay, we're going to do 50 squats in a row. Here we go. Ready? One, two. That experience is totally different than surfing and going into a tube and squatting and holding for 20 seconds while the barrel forms around you. But the physical physical benefit and activity is the same. You're never in the tube going, how long am I going to have to hold the squat for? You're just enjoying the experience. So taking these things that we learn through the entertainment experiences that we were making and utilizing the, the, the fun mechanic of a beat game construct and then pulling in all the resources and expertise of people that specialize in, in human movement and physical training, um, and then really building a system from the ground up to sort of incorporate all those things for, for the best, most awesome you know, fitness experience that you could build in, in virtual reality. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into what it takes to build a company around this new technology and what goes into making an app like Supernatural. Support for Decoder comes from Mint Mobile. Imagine you're at a very fancy, expensive restaurant. And as you're browsing the menu, wondering how you'll afford anything on it, you notice the filet mignon is a mere $10. At first you think jackpot, but then you immediately think, wait, what's the catch? Now, what do suspiciously cheap steaks have to do with your cell phone bill? Well, we're used to seeing quote unquote great deals from overpriced wireless providers and also thinking, what's the catch? But with Mint Mobile, there is no catch. For a limited time, their wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You can get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash decoder. That's mintmobile.com slash decoder. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash decoder. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on an unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about the headsets for a minute. One of my theses with computers, I hope everyone forgives me, I just have a lot of ideas about computers generally, but computers that you put on your body, it seems like the killer app for all of them, whether it's headsets or smartwatches or whatever, is health and fitness, right? The the Apple Watch became an exponentially successful product when Apple shifted its focus to health and fitness, Supernatural is the thing that is getting a lot of people to buy a Quest and strap a basically an Android computer to their face every day. Is there another killer app for traditional VR headsets like we have right now that can drive adoption and get that installed base growing the way that everyone has always told me that it will? Yeah. So I'll, I'll say a couple of things. I think what you're saying is is absolutely correct in terms of virtual reality. Fitness is the killer use case for VR, it will be the first driving force of 
mass adoption through a normal consumer audience. Just as an example, what we're seeing from our membership base, we're 50-50 split women and men, where I think over 60% are over 40. This is not what a typical VR demographic looks like. Yeah. And the reason that is, is it's using the technology for a different use case and one that it works incredibly well for. And when you think about, you know, going back to the technology of cinema, that was a linear sequence of still frames played one after another, not at first, but after not that long sync sound went along with it. So that technology, though, enabled the birth of cinema, but it also enables, it enables television. It also enables a Zoom call. It enables, you know, a how-to video that you're watching on YouTube. It even enables, you know, a spreadsheet in Excel that you're moving numbers around. That, that technology of linear sequence of still frames is what powers most of the things that we deal with on a daily basis on rectangles in our life, of which there are many, <laughs> as you know. Yeah. That's sort of like, a, you know, case study and where does the technology go once it's used for one thing? And the answer is it, it essentially goes everywhere. And what you're seeing in virtual reality right now is is very much what usually happens. I mean, the first thing being Chris Dixon talks about, you know, all new disruptive technologies that first appear as though they are toys. And virtual reality is a perfect example of that. But, you know, it's primarily understood to be a video game system right now. Mm -hmm. But when you take the technology and you apply it to exercise or wellness as we're doing, it's a totally different paradigm. And it is one that many people are much more open and willing to adopt the technology because it solves a problem in their life. You know, most people don't buy new technologies just because they're a new technology. I do. Most people don't. Most people buy a new technology because it serves a purpose and it solves a problem in their life. You don't buy, you don't buy a television set because you want a black rectangle on your wall. You buy it because your favorite television show that comes through it. The new technology of virtual reality needs, you know, not just your favorite television show, but it needs all the other use cases that that could be enabled by applying the technology, you know, to that use case. So let's talk about within in Supernatural. How how many employees does Within have? It depends on if a few of them accepted an offer today, but we're about <laughs> seventy. And how many of them are focused on Supernatural itself? All of them. Okay, so Supernatural, the the fitness platform, that's your entire focus. Yeah. What does it take to make a Supernatural workout experience? Like who who is the staff that produces that all at once? Yeah. There's really two sides to our business. There's the technology business and, and there's a content business. Technology side, all the you know multitude of complex systems that you might imagine to make something like an interactive, immersive VR subscription platform work from, you know, the the sexy things like how the balls explode to the less sexy things like, you know, back end account management, um, all of that requires a large engineering team and then there's the, the content side of it and there's there's actually a few different pipelines that go into making the content so there's the coach capture production pipeline which is um shooting the coaches in our our 3d capture system that lives in culver city should point out that we are from a content standpoint we are producing and launching new content every single day. That's a flag we planted in the ground when we launched. We said we're going to work. We're going to launch a new workout a day. So every morning, as you know, as a as a as a member, you open up the the app on your iPhone or your Android phone, or you put the headset on, and there is a new workout that has a new th musical theme, or sometimes it's just sort of a overall theme, but it's. It's new every day. It's a surprise under the Christmas tree of what the workout of the day is. So what goes into the content side of making that, the coach production pipeline, you know, we, we're, we're shooting coaches five days a week to release classes, uh, we release workouts every single day. There's the environment pipeline, which is, you know, all the beautiful destinations that you're, you're finding yourself in song to song. Those are not just a flat, 
you know, 360 photo, there's, that's actually a 3D model with super high res images mapped on top of the 3D model. So there's, that's a pipeline that builds those. There is a mapping pipeline for the layout of the targets that are flying at you that are synced to music. So that's a team of trainers and choreographers that build the patterns of the targets um, and the placement of them that are synced to the music. So we have a, a map making tool that we've built internally that the, the mappers are actually in virtual reality and laying out the targets in space and they can sort of forward, they can, they can reverse and and play and stop and rewind the map over and over again as they physically place the targets in the air to go along with a picture. And they, they have like a, they, they can see where the beats are of the music in space so they can line up the targets to the beat. That's a very manual and creative process. It's not an easy thing to do. We're basically essentially puppeteering um, your movements through what is essentially dance to music that you love. And that involves a really talented person that can choreograph those movements. Like it, it feels, as you said, like you're sort of, what was your terminology that you used at the beginning? My wife and I call it dance fighting. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean you're holding lightsabers and you're dancing and it's, it's, we just got there. Yeah, there's an element of sort of kung fu martial artness to it, but you're also you're moving your body in choreographed choreographed ways to music. So there's also a hidden element of dance, and moving your body to music is just naturally fun. So that's a beat mapping pipeline, and then there's the there's music curation and the overall creative workout construction. So every workout has a theme, has a playlist, has a creative thumbnail has a creative name has a description so there's a there's a creative content team that does all of that as well and you know we're programming and thinking about workouts that are months ahead like we really put a lot of thought and care into making each of these workouts it's not just sort of like thrown together on the day shoot it live post it up like there's a lot of curation and crafting and and artistry from that team that really goes into making each one of those workouts let me ask you about the the cost curve of that and i'll I'll make the comparison to peloton because it it is such an easy comparison peloton that you know they they have a, a bike and they have a software platform and mostly though they're shooting videos of their trainers on a bike pedaling really hard and turning the resistance up and down and there's some sensors and leaderboard stuff around it that makes that experience feel more interactive. But at the end of the day, it's people on a bicycle, and that's what's happening there. You are describing a much more costly creative project, right? You had to build a software pipeline to do the choreography and the mapping. You have to build a software pipeline for volumetric 3D models of, of locations. You presumably have to acquire the photography and the imagery from all those far-flung locations you're in. It's just a lot of new things that are at the cost, the, the top of their cost curve, or you have to invent them, which means you're going up the cost curve. Do you see that coming down or is that the moat? It's a little bit of both. The cost does come down as we get better at doing this and, and building more scalable systems. But it is what it takes to make something like this. And, you know, by our estimates, the, the business model does pencil out. And, <laughs> That's good to hear. And yeah, <laughs> always good to hear. But it's we also honestly, we, we think the, the market is is a lot larger. And there is a person that enjoys cardio exercise at home and takes joy from running on a treadmill or pedaling on a stationary bike. I unfortunately am not one of those people. And by the way, God bless those people. I wish I was one of those people. But I think there's a lot more people like me out there. I mean, 50% of gym memberships go completely unused year to year. And that, you know, that's people that have actually gotten up and gone to a gym and signed up and just not used their membership. They just haven't found a a solution that works for them. And we don't we don't actually look at our competition as a stationary bike. We look at our competition as the couch. How many members do you have right now? That's a great question. We of course don't broadcast our current membership uh, base numbers, but I will say, I mean, what I can say is that 
our goal for the first year was to have as many members as is reported that a uh, large, well-known connected fitness service had after their first year. And we're not at our first year yet, but it's looking like we will have 10 times that number. A large, well-known connected fitness. Is it the one I keep talking about? <laughs> you can, you can, you can jump to your own conclusions. What's your, what's your trend like? It's $19 a month. Are people signing up, paying the money and staying there? Or are they trying out and leaving? What is that life cycle like? Yeah. Our churn is, is low and comparable to other uh, hardware-based connected fitness services. You know, the thing that's special about Supernatural, honestly, is, you know, the, the cost of the hardware is like one-seventh of the cost of a spin cycle or half the cost of a monthly subscription fee. I haven't measured the volume of a spin cycle versus a VR headset, but you know, we're probably <laughs> like one thirtieth, one fiftieth the size of the thing. We take up zero floor space. You put it in a drawer when you're done, it disappears, and you throw it in your suitcase and take it wherever you you want to go. So that is a that's really a, a a different paradigm. And you know, going back to the last question, I think it's it's one that makes it a lot more accessible to to a lot more people. I want to ask one more question about the famous connected fitness company. And then I actually do want to talk about headsets and platforms. Peloton, very famously in, in a big fight with the music industry, right? They're, they don't pay the fees the industry wants. They have a point of view about it. The music comes and goes. Peloton users are notoriously kind of angsty about it. Supernatural has the music. This year you made a deal with Universal Music Publishing Group. You have similar agreements with other labels. So there is a lot of popular music in the app to work out to. Is that Chris Milk has directed videos with Kanye West? He's getting a deal. Is that you've structured a new kind of deal? Is that a cost that's going to accelerate as you become more successful? How is that working? Because it seems like one of the hardest challenges for all of these services right now. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing to do as a small startup. I will say that when we started building this, we knew that we needed the best music, that this just was not going to work using needle drop or stock music, that if you're going to move your body to music, it needs to be music that you love. It needs to be music that you're familiar with and that you're passionate about. And it can't be music that you never heard before. To do that requires, you know, relationships with a huge amount of large entities in the music business. Um, and the first thing that I did was call the people that I know in the, in, you know, my old friends in the music industry from being a music video director and said, listen, I know others have done this incorrectly. I want to do this right. I want to be a partner to your industry. And um, I think there's something that's really special that we could build that is going to, you know, require some different type of creative thinking around deal structures and how we think about this platform in comparison to other platforms. And, you know, that, that was on day one, I made those calls. So it was a collaboration from the get-go. It was never feign ignorance and beg forget forgiveness later. It was definitely, we're going to do this together and we're going to do it the right way. When you start working with the amount of music that we're working with, there's, there's really not an off-the-shelf tool that allows you to do what you need to do, which involves ingesting th hundreds of thousands of songs from, from, from many different sources and keeping track of them and keeping track of the rights. Wait, and are you, you're, are you paying royalty rates based on plays? So if I play one playlist versus another, you pay different royalty rates. It's really more complex than that, but really, yeah, it, I, we could do a whole show on how, <laughs> how music deals work. It's, incredibly complicated and requires an entirely custom backend system to service it. But it's, again, it's, it's what you have to do if you're going to create the kind of system that, that Supernatural is. Well, uh, but I would compare that to a Spotify business model, right? Where you pay Spotify some amount of money a month, they've just allocated some chunk of your subscription fee toward, towards royalty payments. And then, you know, they have their own backend to, to allocate those further. Is that how you think about the $19 a month, that just some percentage of it is allocated towards music royalty payments? Yeah. I mean, in the most general terms, when you see a piece of music in a movie, that's a sync license. And when you see uh, music in Spotify or Apple Music, 
that's that's a licensing deal. You know, every song that you might potentially play, it's not just a deal with one entity. There might be a multitude of rights holders because you've got the record label, but then you also have the publisher and you have to have both. And the publisher, if you have a song that had 12 songwriters on it, you might have 12 different publishers. So you've got to make sure that every single thing that you're you're playing is cleared. And it's not, there's nothing that just tells you like, here's your list of songs that, that you're good. It's, it's complex it, to say the, the least. And it's something that it's taken really years to, to get to the point where it works in the, as effectively as it does right now. Is your license primarily a sync license to make a derivative work on the music or are you just licensing the track? What I can say is that we have the rights to hundreds of thousands of songs and that catalog grows on a regular basis. So you have some sort of like custom deal that you've worked out to make, to enable this product. I mean, there's, there is no off the shelf deal when it comes to music licensing. Everything is a custom you know, negotiation <laughs> across the board. That's totally fair. It is a testament to the sort of openness and creative thinking of the music industry of the service that is supernatural because it required a lot of sort of creative thinking and constructive deal making to to make this whole thing work for everyone involved. Have you had artists use it? Are they are they freaking out over it? Yeah, <laughs> there's a few. Uh, I mean, there's a number of artists that have used it, and I won't name anyone specifically, but there's, there's been artists that, that I'm friends with that are using the service that I have to notify that tomorrow they're actually, they're in the service and just so they're <laughs> not surprised. That's amazing. Are you going to do like larger programming with artists, having them be coaches, having them talk to people? Like that seems like a real natural opportunity. Yeah. I mean, we would, we would love to do more uh, workouts that are specifically curated around specific artists. If you are a musical artist and you're listening to this and you're excited about the future of fitness, get in touch with us because we'd love to do something cool. <laughs> we got to cut we're, me in. I, we, if, if we're talking music, I want to point too. Yeah. Right now we have a few workouts that are coming in the next couple of months that are around specific musical artists. And that's just so cool because you can really go deep into their catalog and you can really tailor the whole experience from you know, the places that, you know, the locations where the, that you're doing the workouts to the, the voiceover and the theme and the, you know, the art around it, um, specifically to that, that one artist. And that's something where that we're growing into. It's really exciting. We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about plans to expand Supernatural. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, we're back with Chris Milk. 
One of the things about Supernatural that I think is really interesting is that it is it is very native to VR. Like it is an authentic product for VR. I have no idea how you would do a Supernatural workout in real life. Like it's people it, like dodgeball. Like it's a very complicated <laughs> to think about how it would work in real life. Right. That also limits your expansion capability, right? So not, I keep hammering you with the, the Peloton comparison, but Peloton was like, we made a bike, we made a treadmill, they're going to make a, a rowing machine, they can do weightlifting. How do you expand your, your range of products when, you know, it's, it's all in the quest and the, the quest has like, like literally limits all the things you can do? Well, I mean, we, we also have an R&D lab at Within and Supernatural, and I can say there's a hell of a lot more things that we can do <laughs> that are really compelling in this same space. See, this is where you announce them. I know. It's a perfect opportunity. <laughs> <But> a, <laughs> perfect opportunity. I think that the the limitation is really around not the hardware because the hardware hardware will come and if people have a use case for it and it solves a problem in their life, they'll they'll buy the hardware. I think the the limitation is is really having people understand that exercising in virtual reality makes makes sense. I mean, it's as I said at the beginning, it's very hard to describe the product. Um, <laughs> the simple, you know, and I know this because I've described it thousands of times now, and then had someone, you know, I describe it verbally, and then they actually try it, and almost 100% of the time I describe it and they say, okay, I think I got it. And then they try it and they go, yeah, that, that was not what I was imagining at all. That's, that's amazing, but not what I, not what I was imagining from the way that you described it. So I've sort of like made peace with the fact that however I describe it, it's never going to resonate in the same way as people actually experiencing it. But, you know, as essentially it's a membership based full body fitness and wellness service that utilizes the power of VR to make for a workout that you couldn't experience otherwise. And, you know, the, the, the cooler way of describing it is it's home exercise. It feels like you're playing a sport with your best friend while on vacation, but good luck getting anybody to totally imagine what that is going to be like when they put the, the headset on. But what's cool is people are trying it and they're telling other people in their immediate family or friend circle or social network circle that it's working for them. And that, that is the, the network effect of people talking about it, that it's, that it's working for. And it is, I understand it's a strange thing to imagine. Like when you say a quest is an Android phone that you strap onto your head, that does not sound like an enticing <laughs> thing for exercise. But when, when you do it, it does it. That's not the experience that you're having. The experience that you're having is that you're transported to the most beautiful places on earth. You're moving your body, you know, in this fun way, swinging bats through the air to hit these targets that are flying at you from 360 degrees along to like your favorite music. And there's like a coach that is your best friend that's there with you and cheering you on the whole way. Like that's a totally different experience and one that you have to try, but I don't, I don't think that like we will be limited in the long term by the fact that it sounds counterintuitive because there's many things in our life that are also successful businesses that seem counterintuitive when you first hear about them, but then become commonplace. If I told you, you know, 10 years ago that you were going to hit a button on your phone and a stranger was going to pick you up outside a bar in his personal car and drive you home, that would sound strange and counterintuitive. <laughs> if I told you that you were going to rent your second bedroom out to a stranger that just flew in some, from someplace across the country and it was going to be totally fine, that would sound counterintuitive. These things that there's many things at first that sound counterintuitive, but then when you try them, you're like, oh, actually, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. And I firmly believe that that's going to be what happens with virtual reality and fitness. So the instructors are your best friends, right? They're very personable. What we've seen with every fitness platform is the instructors become personalities. They go on to, you know, have extended personality-based careers in many in many cases. Is that how you're you're thinking of your instructors too? Because the one thing you you maybe couldn't do is like when the pandemic is over, go to a studio and be in the room with one of your instructors doing the workout, which seems, you know, that's again, it's it's 
the VR workout is great because it's in VR, but extending it to to real life seems challenging in that way. Yeah. Well, I'll put it this way. The, the things that are exercise that you can do in a gym are the things that make sense to physically do in a gym. Um, you know, it's packing a bunch of people together in a four wall room with a ceiling and an instructor that, you know, one to many um, broadcast um, and you do the things that you can do in that limited amount of space. We're creating a new reality. So we're <laughs> not we're not going to duplicate, you know, the things that we're building. Yes, they don't fit in a four walled gym. And honestly, I think we're all better for it. Like if we can create a reality where you can stand on top of a glacier in Iceland and, you know, slam targets with these space bats flying at you while, you know, Kendrick Lamar plays from the sky. Like I'll take that over <laughs> 20 people in a cement uh, walled room. Fair. But I think that, you know, there's something to, do, to dig into here, which is that there's entertainment and then there's, there's exercise by exercise. I mean, specifically home exercise. So entertainment is something that you want to do because you enjoy doing it, right? You watch TV because you enjoy doing it. Exercise for most of us, you know, we do it for the long-term benefits. Most of us don't enjoy the act of doing it, which is, you know, as I said, why more than half of gym memberships are paid, but don't get used. So I think what generation one, let's call it of connective fitness has done, done it brilliantly is take the home exercise experience and added a, a layer of entertainment on top of it. Um, so you have a personable coach or instructor that you feel their personality. You want to come back to another class of theirs. You've got incredible music. You've got the sort of sense of of a live feel, but the actual act of what you're doing, let's, let's say it's a, a virtual spin class. The actual act of pedaling in place is not, it's not intrinsically fun on its own. And that, that layer of entertainment acts to distract you from the thing that you're doing that is, that is not fun on its own. So, I mean, we thought about what if you could take entertainment and turn it into exercise. Now, like that exists in real life, it's called sports, um, <laughs> and they take place outside. They require equipment, sometimes other people, and oftentimes travel to other places, like skiing, snowboarding, mountain bike riding, basketball, hiking. These are things that you do that are exercise, but you're not, I mean, you, you, are, you may do them for the exercise benefit of them, but you are also doing them because they are intrinsically fun on their own. It's very hard to create something, create a modality that is intrinsically fun from an exercise standpoint in your house, um, just because you have what you were dealing with in your house, uh, which is a limited amount of space. Mountain biking does not fit in your bedroom. Skiing does not fit in your living room. But what if they could? And that's what we set out to build, something that was intrinsically fun, intrinsically entertainment and something you wanted to do over and over again that had the extra benefit of exercise, because that's the thing that makes it easy to keep coming back to. The reason I asked about going into the real world uh, in the context of our platform conversation is it seems like it would be really fun to do Supernatural with another person. It'd be really fun to do it in a class setting, maybe on a beach. And the platform that would enable that would be an AR platform, an augmented reality platform. Those are not quite here yet. There's lots of prototypey or early versions of those products. You know, the AR versus VR conversation just seems to rage all the time. Is that something that you have a position on? Is it something you're looking forward to? Yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to more robust AR systems coming into the market. And I think there's, there's totally room to explore that technology for a similar purpose as well. But I would challenge you a little bit because yes, it would be cool to be on the beach with your friend doing Supernatural together, but it's also possible to for you and your friend to be on a beach and doing Supernatural together, but you're both in your bedrooms in your apartments and you didn't have to travel to a beach to do it, which is a lot more 
realistic and feasible for, for most people, you know, going back to what I was saying before about the potential for shared experiences inside of virtual reality, where the two people inside of the virtual world together are in two completely different geographical locations in real life is, is here today. It's just not, it's not widely utilized, but what it does allow for is for you to have more meaningful relationships with the people that are geographically um, removed from you, which, you know, of course, at the moment is sort of everyone's reality. But imagine, you know, imagine rolling out of bed and working out with your best friend every morning that, you know, lives in San Diego and you live in San Francisco and you can do that together and feel like you are on that beach together. That's totally possible. And I would argue that that's more exciting than having to both travel to a beach to meet each other together, because it's something you can do sometimes, but certainly not like every morning before you go to work. That's fair. Although I would say a lot of people right now are very eager to travel somewhere with some people. But now I have to ask you, is that on the roadmap, doing a workout with somebody else? Um, I would put it like this. The, the possibilities of what we can do <laughs> and the ideas for what we'd like to do, uh, like our, our appetites, what's the expression? Uh, our appetite is bigger than <laughs> your eyes are bigger than your stomach. That's the one. Your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Yeah. I mean, my eyes for, for what we could do is, um, limited by just how much you can build. If you're going to build a reliable system that has a lot of people on it and, you know, you have a, you of course, have the people that you have, you have the financing that you have, you have the runway that you have, and you prioritize the things that you think will make the most meaningful difference for the people on the platform. So that's certainly what we're doing. And, and, and of course, that sort of shared workout experience is something that we'd love to do and, and is, is actively being considered. What's next for Supernatural? What should people be looking forward to? What should people be looking forward to? So we really want to push the envelope of not just how do we translate existing things that you could do inside of a gym into virtual reality. We want to build things that have the same health benefits, but sort of reimagine them in ways that are fun and invigorating and awe-inspiring and joyful and bring you to another place and a, sort of another reality of possibility. Like I said, we're not in a four-wall gym. We can put you anywhere and we can make things that are physically impossible, like explosive cannonballs flying at you from all directions. It's just just not something that we're going to set up in the parking lot of your local gym. So really continuing to follow that thread of, of how can we make people's lives better from the experiences that they're having inside of VR. And that's a big thing for us. Like we're not trying to to make a world where, you know, everybody wakes up and goes into their VR headset and, you know, disconnects from society and, you know, gets their ambiotic fluid uh, matrix pod <laughs> and, and checks out for the day. That's, that's not what we're after. We have an OKR in the company called MLB, which is make life better. And we, we measure, are we making our members lives better outside of VR from the experiences that they're having inside of supernatural inside of VR. And it's, it's definitely something that it's something that we see happening. Like the stories, we have a Facebook group that a huge amount of our members are on and they are incredible. And they are on a regular basis talking about their experiences publicly. And you see it, you see it over and over again, people talking about how they haven't worked out in decades or they've never worked out and they've, they've discovered the act of exercise through supernatural supernatural sort of unlocked not just exercise for them but the idea that they could live a healthy lifestyle you see people that are posting about how you know they their doctor just told them that they no longer need to take their diabetes medication and this is someone that hasn't worked out in 40 years but from working out for a few months they started transforming their physicality. And in the course of that, they also started eating healthy because they're saying to themselves, well, if I'm going to work out, I should probably change my diet too. And they do. So that's a really awesome, magical thing. And, it, and I think it speaks to sort of the sort of larger untapped audience that that is out there that 
have chosen no solution rather than one of the current sets of solutions. Yeah, I think one of the really remarkable things here, and I could talk to you all day about this, is how going into a virtual world and disassociating from physical reality changes your relationship to your body, which, again, we could probably do for the rest of the day. But you've given me so much time. Chris Milk, thank you so much for being on Decoder. This is great. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks again to Chris Milk for taking the time to talk today. Thank you for listening. As always, I'd love to hear what you think of the show. You can email us at decoder at theverge.com or hit me up directly. I'm at Reckless on Twitter. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Decoder is a production of The Verge and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today's episode was produced by Sophie Erickson, Creighton D. Simone, and Andrew Marino, with help from Alexander Charles Adams. Our music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. We'll see you next week.